You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Good evening everyone here at 7-ish p.m. here in Hobart on a Thursday evening where the Dice Men Cometh, all three of us for a change, are here in the studio where it's sort of like we're just going to get this one out of the way because this is episode 299. Mm, The penultimate episode. Well, you sound excited, Mark. Uh... I'm excited for episode 300. But not tonight? Yeah. Actually, no. you know what? I am because we're back here in the Edge Radio studios. We're talking board games, card games, tabletop games, the people in the hobby, the people who make the hobby, the people who play the hobby or enjoy the hobby or even watch the hobby. Or do the hobby. The hobbyists? Yeah. The hobbyers? That, that's true. The, the point being, mm. we are... Part of a remarkable hobby, mm. and we welcome everybody to it. The hobby we are talking about is obviously board games, card games, tabletop games, and we'll introduce and allow people from video gaming to come in as well. Thank you, because we're inclusive. We are. We accept everyone from triple XS to ten times XL. XXL, because we love everyone. Sounds like Ludo cherry sizes. As long as everyone maintains. A good sense of personal hygiene. Yes. And keeps a meter away and doesn't sneeze on us mm. because that is the reality of the world that we are living in currently. Although most board games do have things like ages 9 to 99, so anyone that's 100 out there, I'm sorry, this isn't for you. Well, they're welcome at my place, but not at yours, Leon. But hey, I'm not, I, I, just, I make no judgment, but the industry says 9 to 99 on all the boxes. There's nothing I can do about that. And look, I have heard that... The classic board game pandemic (laughs) is rushing off the shelves at the moment. And what better thing to do with your 14 days of self-isolation or isolation of your family than to play a few games you haven't got to the table lately? Absolutely. Just do not choose to play Pandemic Legacy for 14 days. (laughs) (laughs) Or Or maybe do. You might like it. Or 14 minutes perhaps would be fine. You might get it out in 14 days. So. What are we actually talking about on that the is show? A this really, that's a really good question, Leon, because, uh, I, look, as Australia's leading mm. tabletop podcast and radio show, we mm. feel that we always need to keep fingers on pulses. Yes. The pulses, for some people, are getting weaker, which is unfortunate. But for those of us, tonight is all about yellow. Yes. Because we are going to basically be doing at least three, but potentially four games from the publisher. Yellow! Is that how it's pronounced, specifically like that? Yellow. But it doesn't feel like it carries the same gravitas yeah. if I just say yellow yeah. instead of going, yellow! True. So, look, we're going to start with flying and flinging some things. We're going to moving on to some sneaky stuff. We're going to lead off and complete the trilogy with some, I don't know, some questions that we might not be able to get the answer mm. to, Mark. Who knows how we go? But what I can guarantee you is it will run out of time. <laughs> as, we, as we tend to. And the other thing I can guarantee is that this week, like every other week, we are sponsored by LFG Australia. LFG-oz.com.au So if you do find yourself, whether you are proud or not proud, to be tucked away in your room, sneakily self-isolating, which you've all done from time to time, <laughs> you might want a board game. And lfg-oz.com.au is your place to get the access to a worldwide list of board games delivered straight to your door. And for all those people that are cancelling their overseas trips for some reason, consider going to Sydney perhaps in July to LFG The Convention. (laughs) LFG Sydney perhaps. Yes, LFG Sydney The Convention where as long as we're still here... All three of us will be there. Exactly. From the 10th to the 12th of July, Mm. we are including those dates. So Friday night through to Sunday night, all three DICE people will be there. Plus hundreds and hundreds of Australians and hopefully some international people will be there getting our game on because that's what gamers do. So it is episode 299. It is DICE Men Cometh. It's Australia's number one 
board gaming radio show and podcast. And we will be back after this song on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hi, this is Ella from Ella Loves Board Games. And my favorite podcast is The Dice Men Coming. That was Filthy Little Star with Never Said and Done on Edge Radio 99.3 FM with The Dice Men Cometh proudly brought to you this week and every week by our good friends at LFG Australia. Now, Garth, if you were to fling a horrible goblin and it were to splat onto something in the sky, it would almost be a filthy little star as well, wouldn't it? It almost would be, (laughs) but not if it was made of wood. Ah, well... And there goes my theory completely out the window. Anyway, but you played a game about throwing goblins around and you're going to tell us about it. I certainly did. And the game we are talking about is the first in at least the trilogy of games mm. by Yellow, yeah. which is Flying Goblin. And that's Flying with no G and Goblin with a G. And we should also say a very hearty thanks to our friends at VR Distribution, who they are, the local Australian distributors for Yellow Games, um, and the fact that they've supplied us these three games made it so easy for us to entertain our families and ourselves and then come and talk to you good people about them. Correct. I like how you said, and then come and talk to you, because we're not going to entertain you at any point. <laughs> we're going to entertain our friends and family and ourselves, but not anybody listening. No, 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 no. Hopefully... We're, we're merely going to say words and see what happens. Hopefully the odd person or even some more even-keeled people might find it entertainingly, and I don't know. Probably not. It depends whether they are prepared to pay the Celestial Tivy oh, here to, we go. Uh, to take us over the line. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's recalibrate, shall we? So Flying Goblin is a yellow release which is very, very new, and it is a game that allows you to live out everybody's fantasy of flinging goblins over a castle wall Mm. and do some things. Oh, yeah. Now, this is a game that plays from two to four players, but I'm going to just say play it with three or four. Yeah. Because you want more people, you want more mayhem, you want more craziness, and you certainly don't want a runaway winner with this game. You want it to have some level risk. Flinging things is always better in volume, I have found. But is that not also the way for nearly any game that's aimed at a younger audience? Very few of them, I would imagine, would play better at a smaller count. Mm. You you want more because you want more mayhem, because that's the whole point of having children is the mayhem, right? Correct. Well, this game (laughs) does say that it takes maybe half an hour. Yeah. It does say that it plays two to four. And more importantly, it says it plays from age eight and above. Now, that is a very conservative estimate. As someone who owns and is the boss of two children (laughs) who are aged currently 9 and 12, Mm -hmm. my nine-year-old is all over this game and she absolutely adores it, but I'm pretty sure she would have really liked it at seven and six and possibly even five. Why would she? Well, let me entertain you. In this game, you are playing not just an goblin, a goblin, you are playing a whole cohort of goblins and goblin leaders and robber goblins, and your sole purpose in life is to get over the walls into a castle to then do some things and bring back the riches, whether they be in the gold or the diamonds, or in fact the king. You might want to bring him back. Um, The game is going to go on and on and on and on until one person has reached one of two milestones. The easy milestone to articulate is that you have got 20 or 25 diamonds, depending on the player count. Mm. The way you'll get diamonds is purely by landing a goblin in certain parts of the board that will give you diamonds or potentially by stealing diamonds from other players. The other way you're going to actually win this game is by managing to build the fourth level of your personal totem. Kind of like a totem pole, for oh, example. Okay. How do you do that? Well, well, we'll get to that. Just chill out. Just relax. So the board is the box and the box is the board, and that is awesome because when you open this box, you will see that in front of you is this beautifully designed board that is in three dimensions and it is this enlarged tic-tac-toe pattern. Okay, yep. And that'll contain 
16 squares that your flying goblins will have the ability to land into. And that's really important because that's how you're going to do the whole game. You're going to start your game with a an entourage of goblins. You'll start with two that you have immediate access to. You'll have some more goblins that you can buy if you get enough gold. You'll have some lead... Sorry a leader goblin that you might be able to unlock if you're really, really wealthy. You'll have some robber goblins who are just going to be sneaky buggers and we'll get to them in a little while. And then you'll have your totem that you will unlock as you spend more and more money. Is there a plural or a noun for a group of goblins? Yes. Oh, I do like an entourage of goblins. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't I know. Would, I Should we create one? I would have thought a... Perhaps a sneak of goblins? Yes. Maybe? Leon, Leon anything you're, to bring you're to a that? goblin expert. Me? Um, a smudge of a goblins. A knick knack of goblins? Yes. Oh, yes. Nick Nacky was a good guy. <laughs> we should bring him back. <laughs> no. It's not been the same show since Leon came since back. Since Nick Nack left. <laughs> That's right. Well, all I can say is that the collective noun for ladybugs is a, la- uh, a loveliness. Um, oh. But to be honest, my oh. favourite is a collective noun for otters, which is a romp. Of otters. I just think a romp of otter is, is so beautiful. Oh, I mean, they should just have that for everything. Everything should just be a romp. Oh, yeah. no. Isn't it a murder, a murder of, of ravens? No, crows. crows. Yeah. yeah, but what wouldn't it be better if, if it was a romp of crows? <laughs> it's just so nah. much more fun. I think, I think otters are just, they, they scream romps. <laughs> so, anywho, you're going to start with a couple of goblins, and the way the turns are going to work is that you're just going to start by flinging them on this beautiful little catapult not trebuchet, Leon, mm. but a catapult of goblins. Well, it's also to do with the counterweight, isn't it, in terms of a trebuchet or a catapult? Well, I love in the rule book it gives you clear instructions on how to fling your goblin. Mm. It says if you put them uh, standing up, like, you know, as a, as a good military man, Mark, you would to Absolute, uh, attention, sir. you will yes, get sir. a much higher arc and therefore be able to potentially have more control as you go further along. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you lie them down like Leon does for at least 12 hours a day, <laughs> like they'll just skirt along, you know, not really getting too high, yeah. but you might be able to really snaffle a couple of those closer locations. Um, I found out what the collective noun for goblins is. Yes. Okay. Is it an argle bargle? A malignity? A malignity. A malignity? Yeah, I've just found it myself. There you go. It's good to see that you're on your phones instead of listening to me. <laughs> so, look, you're going to throw some, fling some goblins over there and you're, you're going to land in one of those 16 spaces. In fact, there's 17, but we'll get to that in a little while. The spaces that you'll land in will allow you to collect stuff because the way the turns are going to work is that everyone simultaneously is going to fling their goblins over the walls, hopefully into the castle, and you might get some money, some diamonds. You might get the ability to steal some diamonds from someone else. You might get the ability to spend a diamond to get some more money. You might get the ability to spend some money to get some diamonds. Or you might be able to recruit some additional goblins above and beyond the standard rules. More goblins are always good. Correct. Everyone wants a larger malignity. So everyone is just going to fling their goblins and then going around and around in player order, you remove your goblins from this board, which is the box, which is where you're going to land into, and you might take some money if your goblin lands in the money thing, or you might take some diamonds if your goblin lands in the diamond thing, or you might take your goblin out of the square that allows you to steal a diamond from someone else, and then the other person will say, well, I haven't got any diamonds, so they will give you nothing. But that's the game. It doesn't matter. What will matter is after that round is concluded, you will then go into the spending your money phase, which is where you choose to buy and improve and make your life a little bit better. So, so it's like you, a goblin builder as opposed to a deck builder. Kind of is. So if you've got enough money, you might buy some more goblins. And mm-hmm. goblins will then go, your first one costs $3, the next one costs 4 the next one costs 5 And the most you can ever have is five goblins. Or you might decide to save up and spend eight goblin dollars and by your goblin captain. And what he does is when you fling him into a box in the castle, he doubles the benefit that you're going to get. Or you might choose to buy some goblin robbers of each. Every person gets two. And if you buy one... Gobbers. You will then get to place them on one of the... Eight strategically placed roofs Ah. in this box. If those goblin robbers are lucky enough to stay on their roof during a round where there's goblins flying left, right and centre, yep. they will collect a diamond. And that's good because you've got to get diamonds to win the game. Uh, so elusive roof diamonds. Can you can you turn diamonds into goblin 
dollars, or are yes. they just purely victory points? I believe no. Garth has said that three <clears throat> times already. Is he? Correct. <laughs> Mark is old. That's fine. And he's still Googling there's the phrase. A lot of, there's a lot of mayhem in this game. There's a lot of malignancy in you too, Mark. Got so. caught, <laughs> caught up in the mayhem of the game. So as well as buying goblins and leaders and goblin robbers, you can choose to start your totem. You have to build the totem from the ground up as you should. And this is where the game really becomes interesting mm. because it is one of the two victory conditions. So if you choose to spend your money on the ground floor base level of your totem and you put it on one of these little roof segments, of which there are eight, mm -hmm. and that could be taken up by goblin robbers of every other player. It could also be taken up by the king, which I haven't described so yet. Can you have multiple goblin robbers on the same roof? No, you can't. Okay. Each Just roof checking. space only has enough room for one okay. thing. So you might want to build your totem. You build it. Happy days, I'm a quarter of the way to victory. But if someone knocks that down in a subsequent turn, the lowest level of the roof is, all, uh, sorry, lowest level of your totem is always going to go back to your player board, which means that you need to buy it again. You need to spend money again to get it back out. So you really want to make sure that when you're building, you're trying to make sure you build it in a spot where it's not going to be as attractive to get hit. Mm -hmm. Or ideally, You've thrown and flung a goblin into the one space on the board which allows you to buy two things instead of one mm. this turn. So maybe you've oh. saved up a few goblin dollars and you're going, bang, you've landed a goblin in this one space that allows you to buy two things instead of one and you buy two levels of your totem in the one turn. And that's really cool because if on a subsequent turn your totem is knocked over, which it will be, mm. only the first level goes back to your goblin nah. board. At least you get to place the lower levels there on the board, on, like, the, on on your particular bit of roof again. Yeah. So, look, this game's going to go around for as many turns as it takes for someone to reach either 20 or 25 diamonds, depending on the player count, mm -hmm. or more than likely the first person to reach their fourth level of totem. Now, it must be said, and I'm sitting down while I do this, I've played it three times, one three times. <laughs> Every time I have played against children... Beat my children, <laughs> but I've also beat my loving partner, Joanne. Oh, oh, we finally got yes. that on the soundbite. That's lovely. Correct. And my strategy, for better or for worse, has mm -hmm. been exactly the same every single time. And what is that? It is get out some extra goblins that are cheap so that I get more actions, taking mm. the Mark Rickard school of mm. everything. <laughs> then I cease and I get enough money to buy my leader goblin so that every time they land in something, they double the benefit yeah. and I just go for money. Awesome. Then once I've got money, it's quite simply over the space of two turns, as long as you can get one of your goblins into the buy two things instead of one thing, you will win in two turns almost certainly Unless your tower gets knocked down, sorry, your totem. Yeah. So, in so this far, that hasn't happened. So yet. in this game, you are, as you said, flying and flinging goblins about, which makes it a, a dexterity game. Now, mm. we discovered recently when um, I made that that tumbling dice set, which I was also proud of, when we actually had a crack at playing the game, <laughs> how difficult it was. Yeah. So, well, for you it was because I won that game. You you won Woo! one of them. Well, um, anyway, so how easy or difficult, is the actual dexterity of this because most dexterity games, they, you know, they live or die on whether it is good or fun to do the actual physical 100%. action. 100%. Yeah, so the answer to that question is it's actually quite easy. Okay. Because you will always have, with your little catapult mechanism, it'll always go in a certain arc, uh -huh. the goblin that you fling. The challenge, though, is to determine the size of that arc yeah. and that's where it comes down to controlling your own muscles and controlling the own force that you apply to that arc. So there will be numerous times, and I've seen it, where you'll go, oh, I want to get in the first square of the box, therefore I want to go short, and you'll do a dink and it'll hit the side of the box oh, yes. and be on the table and be useless. And then Look, you go, I oh, by the way, I want to go to the end, and you go, bang! Or fly on the other side and hit somebody in the face. Correct. I... Now, sorry, just before no, you get right, to that, yeah. Mark, in the middle of this, there is a little tower. This was that was yeah. the question I wanted to ask because I'm looking at this picture going, there's a bloody great tower in the middle of the box. How so the tower is the castle, the it is the keep, it is where the king lives. Mm. If you are able to land a goblin within that castle, you will get three 
diamonds. Oh, that's a skillful shot. However, if you also manage to hit the king off his balcony, Ooh. which he lives on the top of this tower, yep. you will get the balcony, and the balcony itself adds five diamonds. Oh. So if you are able to do that, you're going to get eight diamonds, which when you only need to get yep. 20 or 25, depending on player that's count, one shot is to get massive. You, you know, but, a third of your score. Yeah, but the thing is when you are the first person or the person to hit the, the king, you will get the balcony, but then you have to put the king on a roof oh. and he becomes a target mm. again so that if the next player hits the king off the roof, they're going to take the balcony off you. So you want to time your yep. kingy stealinginess to be when you are very close to getting that 20 or 25 diamonds. And to be honest... No one has come close to winning that way yet <laughs> okay. in the three times I've played it. So play for the totems. Okay. Now, because I, the reason I wanted to butt in is I had early exposure to catapults, not in the Middle Ages, you'd be surprised to know. No, but you did go but to war a long time ago. Carcassonne, the very first expansion of Carcassonne, or I think they ju jumped the shark, was the Carcassonne, the catapult, Yeah. Um, which I got. And so excited to play, and it was like, this catapult just flings meeples everywhere except on the board, and it was really actually quite difficult to use, whereas I noticed, particularly in that video that we put up on Instagram of your daughter Annika flinging a goblin expertly into the midst of the, what do you call it, a city? Uh, the castle. The castle. Yep. Um, she lands it expertly. Just off the car, the the, the king's Gee, she area. Was close I think. To yeah, I that's guess the right. keep is what it might yeah. be. Yeah. Um. So clearly, uh, yellow and the designers of this game have really refined the catapult mechanism, where it's actually not too difficult to land it in the box. Hundred yeah. percent. And the great thing is, all the components are wooden, so uh, you're, you're dealing with a wooden catapult that has a, a certain rigidity yep. to it. Um, it does encourage everyone when they're starting to just practice, Have just a to fling, 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 fling. So you really do get a good feeling for the amount of effort that you're going to need to put in, okay. and whether you need to fling it hard or fling it soft. There's one square on the, the castle that if you land it in, you're allowed to move the box uh, left or right by, by 90 degree increments. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> but look, this game should not be taken any more seriously than it is. And it is a fun, light dis dexterity game okay. that is for adults and children alike. Yeah. It is certainly not going to win heavy board game of the year, mm -hmm. but it's really fun. And I must say, my kids just go, can we play it again? Can yeah. we play it again? Can we play it again? And after we play it, they don't care who's won or lost yeah, because they've been able to fling. And the problem is they then just spend the next half an hour flinging goblins <laughs> at each other and I have to pick it up. Well, that basically makes it the perfect kid game is that they want to play it and they're not angry at the end of it regardless of what actually happens in the Correct. game, which is what... I mean, I want that in an adult game, let alone in a kid's game. So that is grand. Good to see that Yellow is flinging stuff around. Absolutely. Well, like they always do. The, the only thing I'm going to add to that, Leon, is that my son particularly is not a fan of competitive games. Uh-huh. Whenever I say, do you want to play a game, he'll go, can we play together? Can we play a co-op game? Okay. And this has yeah. arguably been the first game in a long, long time that he's happy to compete with because he doesn't care yeah. fun. as long as he gets to fling stuff, primarily at his sister, <laughs> but he gets to fling stuff and if it lands on the board, yeah. then it's a bonus. So, look, it's really fun. I have no idea what the price of this game is. As long as it's a reasonable price, go out there if you've got kids and have fun with it. I want to play it with you, Leon and Mark, because... It's just light-hearted, a little bit of fun. And, uh, look, maybe you can buy this game. I don't know. We haven't had a chance to have a look. At uh, LFG Australia, you can check it out on their website, lfg-oz.com.au. We will come back with part two of the Yellowathon right after this. With the Dice Pink Cometh on Edge Radio, 99.3 FM. Hey everyone, it's Mark here. Now you've been listening to Leon and Garth and I and even our partners go on for the last couple of weeks about Ludo Cherry. Those amazing gaming fashion pieces put together by Australians Phoebe and Mark and they are absolutely blowing it out of the water on Kickstarter. They've now raised over $110,000 for these amazing designs. But if you don't believe the Dice Men, then you better believe gaming and fashion luminaries like Mandy from the Dice Tower. 
Stella from Meeple University, Bebo from Be Bold Games, and even Ella from Ella Loves Board Games. Now, these guys are totally in love with these chic fashion pieces. Even Watch It's Played Rodney Smith and Jamie Stegmeyer have boasted how hot they look in these shirts. Don't you want to be hot like them? Hey, Mark, what you doing? Rodney, he's so hot. Oh, and what about those gorgeous circle skirts with pockets? Swing out, sister. You too, Rodney. And they've even unlocked a brand new madness design featuring skulls, tentacles, and elder signs. Ah, spooky and cool. Now, by the time you're listening to this, there's only about a week to go. So what are you waiting for? Head to Kickstarter and back Ludo Cherry now. Bye, Rodney. Hey. What's that all about? <laughs> Black Rebel Motorcycle Club with the little thing gone wild here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are with the Diceman, cometh proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. Check out lfg-oz, that's aus.com.au for their online store, for details of their gaming nights and, of course, for details of the LFG Sydney Convention where the three of us will be at. But before we move on, mm-hmm. gentlemen... Not only will the three of us be at LFG Sydney, there's another little convention that we tend to talk about here on the show quite a bit. That is the convention on the border known as Border Con. Correct. And let's just get it out there now. Border Con is sold out. Yes. No, it's not. There are, there no, are no, it's really not. Isn't it? No. Not for our listeners, anyway. Well, I was going to say... <laughs> oh, sorry. Apart from... You cannot purchase tickets. ...the lucky winners of our competition, there is no way to get tickets to BorderCon except... I've got two tickets for BorderCon. Probably the 5th of June, maybe really early on the 6th, depend if you're driving or if you're taking a plane. But traffic around that time can be a bit stressful as well, so but you'll figure it out. Autocon. Board gaming paradise in Aubrey Wodonga. There you go, Leon. That is radio gold. Other than marrying my wife, that may be the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> uh, I agree with you, Leon. So there you go. Two ninety nine. I have peaked. <laughs> Next week, a very important episode, which I will be no good on because I have given up all my radio talents. <laughs> so, Leon, before you t- t- uh, talk to us about the second game we're going to talk about yes. tonight, mm-hmm. two tickets to BorderCon. We have to give away. To enter, Leon, Yes. what do our listeners have to do? They have to do one of two things. The first thing, and our most preferential thing, is to jump over to iTunes or Apple Music, as the kids call it these days. Apple Podcasts. Apple, Apple, Apple Music, Music is a well. separate app. It's the... Oh. No, that's the thing. They've got separate apps now. Oh, it's really not helpful. <laughs> anyway. Clearly, Leon, you want to listen to the old fella about technology. That's yes, right. Yes, I should. I'll tell you about Either it. way, if you jump over to there and give us a review, it's up to you how many stars you put. But, but as I've said before, five. anybody that's ever worked in the service industry, unless it's five out of five, it's a one-star review. Well, it's pretty clear if you don't do five stars, you don't get an entry. So, oh, yeah, that sounds good I to mean, me. that's not official. That's no, not no, no, no. It's not a threat. No. I'm definitely not just, crossing my fingers as I say any stars yeah, is fine. Just, just cheekily jump over there and tell everyone, you know, how much you love us because that's the way we've had... We've got awesome listeners now from across the globe because of people going on there and putting a few seconds, you know, of words down on there. So it's great to see. And once you've done that, go over to DiceManCometh at gmail.com and just to let us know because we might not see it for, from time to time. Mm-hmm. That is one way. If, however, you have already done that... Thank you very, very, very much. And there are a multitude of people who have, it must be said. Thank yes. you so much to other, those people that have already left reviews. The other way you can do it is by sending us either a picture or a video explaining to us what game you would like to play with the Dice Men at BorderCon. Uh, again, at DiceMenCometh at gmail.com and your name will be thrown into the hat as well. That is so exciting mm. because I have to say that for the last few years where we've done this competition, yeah. it is always a highlight mm. to play the game with the winner of this competition. Yes. Last year it was... Uh, Tragedy from, Looper. Tragedy Looper. Canberra. Tragedy yeah. Looper. The year before that was Snake Oil, oh, is that yes, right? Snake Oil. And that was, a, that was a lot of fun as well. Yeah. I love the fact that we get to play 
some games that we would never otherwise play because we have a very busy schedule, but more importantly, that whoever listens and whoever enters, you've got a real good chance and we don't know what game we're going to play until the winner is announced. Yep. And that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention Portacon is some sexy days of gaming. Oh, absolutely. It certainly is. It's where and you go to play the games. You don't know. There's not much walking around. There's no booths there to set up other than LFG lovingly in the corner to sell you a few of the hottest games coming out at the moment. You're there to play, 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 and that's what we do. And I have it on good authority that Albury is coronavirus-free at this stage. At the moment. Yeah. And I also make a vow to you right now that I will be in attendance for every day of Watercon <laughs> this year <laughs> and I will actually attempt to be there for majority of the day in some sort of sober, healthy-type state. So, fellow listeners, all as I can guarantee is that Garth <laughs> is the only dice man living or present. What? who has always backed up every <laughs> single day mm. for every single border con. For those years you've been there, Garth. And doesn't complain about headaches, self-inflicted or otherwise. I missed you at those first few years when you weren't there. Yeah, well, that's because it was the old folks' home and they <laughs> wouldn't let young people in anymore. No, but it's the young, cool, hot ticket right now. And if you want two of those hot tickets, you know how to mm. do it because you just got to reverse the podcast to like two minutes before. And Correct, now, so send us, send we us something. I was going to say, we haven't set a deadline. Yeah. Um, I think last week, Leon, you and I, when Garth was away, we mentioned... In middle of April-ish. Yeah, I mean, look, don't... Don't muck around. Yeah. Don't waste time. Get in early. Well, the thing is, there's a very fair chance that the, the, the people who win this aren't necessarily going to live in Albury. No. So you might need to get yourself there. Yep. You might need to fly or drive. Yeah. You certainly will need accommodation yes. unless you are willing to live on the streets. Mm. And that's something that people in Albury do, Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's like it's a nice place, but I don't want to live on the park benches there. Well, look, we'll have a car. So if you've got a tarpaulin and... A series of poles, maybe you could erect some sort of tent structure around our car and sleep un sleep underneath and stay dry. Well, look, there's usually also a spare bed next to Mark because <gasps> we we quarantine him off due to noise-related <laughs> noise incidents. I wouldn't Mark, wish that Mark on may or may not reverberate a whole house <laughs> uh, when he's asleep. So anyway, the point is you've got to be in it to win it. Yep. It is a sold-out event. It is 200 of Australia's best gaming people. We love it, whether yep. we've been there for a few years or since time immemorial. And it is one of the Dice Man's favourite events of the year, full stop. Until and if you do not go there, eventually you'll regret it. Yeah. It's that yeah. simple. Cool. Leon. Should I talk about a game? Diffuse this situation. Yes, a game that we might possibly play with a listener at BorderCon because I'd be happy to play this game. Uh, it is a game called Time Bomb Evolution. And funnily enough, because it's called Evolution, it has gone through various different versions over the last five or so years. Some would say iterations. No, I'm going to say evolution. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was designed by Yasuki Saito, who is a Japanese game developer. It was originally came out in 2014 under the name Don't Meth Mess with Cthulhu. <laughs> no, don't mess with Cthulhu. Don't mess with Cthulhu, which is a game that I did always want to play. <laughs> and in doing my research, I now realise that I pretty much have because yep. I've played this game. It's probably an easier game to play than Don't Heroin with Cthulhu. <laughs> no. Because how many arms is he going to be sticking oh, in his needle? It's in? Going to take Actually, I've just added to my must-play a Bordercon list, don't coke with Cthulhu. <laughs> Anywho. Thank you. That out thank there. you very much. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, uh, two years after that, they did bring out uh, Time Bomb, uh, the Japanese version of Time Bomb, which is where you play as terrorist and SWAT trying to do to fuse different bombs that have been set. Very cool little art on that on the Japanese version. Also the same year is that Temple of Secrets was brought out, which Ooh. is another version of this game. However, it plays up to 10 players. What? Now, that version was never given an English release. I believe it was mainly only in Europe because that game was on the 2017 Spiel des Jahres recommendation oh, list. Oh, wow. So, again, you can't get it in English. However, this game has next to no text on it. Mm. So if you jump onto BGG, you can print off the English or kind of English rules to it if you can get your hand on a copy of that because this version that we have in front of us, it plays about 15 minutes from 8 and up and it only plays four to six, whereas that version plays up to ten, wow. which would be rather interesting. So, Although, if you had 12 people, you could separate into two groups of six and you, play two versions of this and double the money that goes in the pockets of Yellow and local Australian game stores. Yeah. 
There's an option. There certainly is. Putting so, it out there. So what is time bomb evolution? Well, that's a good question. Guess what? It's London, 1890. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I mean London still. <laughs> As night falls on the city, a carriage dashes through the fog, pushing bystanders aside in thunder of hooves and screams. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, inside Sherlock He's Holmes. A laugh. Sherlock Holmes nervously taps her pocket watch and Where's looks pint, and looks at the high silhouette of Big Ben over the Thames. Hang Hello. on. Yes. Did I hear that Sherlock Holmes is a woman? Dun dun dun. Yes, you did. And it's a cool thing because lovely to see diversity in any type of fiction. Absolutely. And the art and this is really, really good. So yes, Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty both in this game, who are far as I can see only on the front cover, are both female, which is ah. awesome. Ah, so they're smarter versions, yes, clearly. exactly. Uh, this time, Moriarty's diabolical mind has designed evil machines that are going to destroy all the city's precious monuments, like Buckingham Palace, Westminster Abbey and the British Museum. All of them are triggered with explosives that will go off at midnight. Big Ben will sing its swan song and collapse into the Thames. Dun, dun. So Moriarty challenges her nemesis, Sherlock Holmes, the brilliant detective, must defuse each bomb before it goes off. Otherwise, Moriarty will be free to wreak havoc all across England. Yes. That sounds good. And it does, and it is so much more theme than you will actually get. Yeah, you, actually you really don't need that. What to, I mean, like I said, it was Don't Mess With Cthulhu, then there was um, the secret escape game which has like a jungle theme to it so yeah the game is relatively simple but it's nice that yellow as they always do put a bit of production into it and a bit of nice Look, art i really like the art is spectacular uh -huh. i love the fact that they are just going yep sherlock holmes is not that typical white guy with his hat and his pipe and yeah. moriarty is the antithesis of that yeah uh it, it's great to see diversity in gaming full stop yeah, mm -hmm. whether it be in Sherlock Holmes or any other scenario that that is in gaming, yeah. it is a great thing. There is not a strong theme in this game, no. no, but it does help you to articulate it when you're teaching it. Yeah, exactly. So, what are you going to be doing in this game? Well, you're going to be getting a secret hidden role card. You're either going to be on Sherlock Holmes's team or you're going to be on Moriarty's team, depending on how many players you play this with. Nearly every time we've played it, we've played with the full uh, five or six players, which I think is the way to go. Mm. Uh, so there's only a couple of people on Moriarty's team, only up to two, and then the rest are on your Sherlock team. You're, you're the good guys. But nobody knows who they are. Like a lot of these hidden role games, the bad guys will know who each other are. In this, they do not. Mm. So they're just being a bad guy by themselves, hoping to kind of figure out who the other bad guys are. They're sleep yourself. Yeah. So you're going to be giving a collection of cards in front of you there, uh, which have a lovely little green wire on the back of them, and you're going to be shuffling them. You'll be putting a certain amount of them out each round, so there could be stuff in the deck that nobody knows exactly what's in there, which is always good. Then you're going to be handing out a certain number to each player, which slowly decreases as the rounds go on. I must say, I love this. Yes. Yeah. I really like this idea that in the first round you're going to get, say, five cards, and extra and you're going to get four, you're next three, da, da, da. and the game only lasts for a maximum of four rounds before one team mm -hmm. has won, yep. the, the Moriarty or the Holmes team. And that's cool because you can sell that as a short, fun proposition. You're going to say, some of you will be Sherlock Holmes in your team, some of you are going to be Moriarty in the team, and eventually after like ten minutes, mm -hmm. someone's going to win and you'll have fun. Yeah, that's all. And it's one of those games that the, the few times I've played this with several different groups, it's always been the cool, let's go again. Correct. Which is what you want in a, any game that specifically says on the side of the box here by yellow, mini game. Correct. And that's what it is. So everyone's going to be getting uh, these wire cards. You'll shuffle them, hand them out to people, and you will actually look at them. And in your hand, you will have one of two things. You'll either have a diffusing wire, which is awesome. That's what everybody wants. You want to diffuse these bombs. Or you will have one of the six different kinds of bombs, and they're all... Uh, colour-coded in this game. Thank so, goodness. Yes. Uh, but they've also got lots of symbols on them yeah. as well. So for the colourblind out there, the symbols on there will tell you exactly... It's not a limiting factor. ...what they are. No. Yeah. But uh, just to cut a long story short, while I'm explaining them, you've got the green, the yellow, orange, red, blue and pink style of bombs. So you'll get... Or if you're colourblind, grey, 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 dark grey, light grey. Yes, but with cool symbols on them. Different, different colourly abled. Yes. Sorry. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so you'll shuffle them and then you'll put them down, face down, in front of yourself. This is the point where everybody can start telling the truth or lying. I mean, you can do that at any point in this game. You could say things like, okay, I've got two of the diffusers that we need, so it might be good to start chipping away at some of mine. So like I said, you've 
shuffled them and put them in front of you so you don't actually know which of your good ones or bad ones, what order they are in front of you. And then somebody will take these beautiful wire cutters, mm. which I hold in my hand right now, which I think will rival the, um, the do-something porn from um, <sighs> Magic Maze as just a great bit of kind of unnecessary kit, although the It's absolutely is, unnecessary because... Yeah. The wire snippers are two bits of cardboard yeah. <laughs> that absolutely serve no purpose. Oh, but, jeez, they make you feel good. I don't know. Th they make your arm an extra three inches or so longer and when Mark, you have to point at somebody's card across on, the side on, of the table. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Have you tried to snip a wire with them, Leon? Uh, hang on. Garth, have you? Yes. No, it's not working. And? I'm they still... certainly work a lot better than the wire snipper card <laughs> yes, that also yes. comes with them. Look, it, it's a nice touch that you can go... Snip, snip, and point to the card and do the little snipping action. Yes. I think it, I think it adds a little bit of theme to an yeah. otherwise yeah. themeless game. Yeah. And it is quite fun. So, like, you do that, you'll point to a card, and they'll either flip it over, it'll either be a bomb or a diffuser. And if they get four of the same kind of bomb that came out, it's going to explode and the bad guys are going to win. But So you want to try and get different... Ver you're going to get bombs out regardless, but you want to try and get... A different sort out. That's when people will go like, oh, I've got mostly red ones. And you go, okay, you pick one. And then it's a blue one. You go, oh, did I just pick the wrong card or are they lying to me? That's where the whole mind who's him is who on kind of thing comes into it. Or if you're someone like me, you can say, oh, I forgot I had a red. I knew I had another different colour. I didn't quite remember what that one was. So that's the base game of this. The base game will either end, like you said, after four rounds maximum with either explosion and everything's gone or you get four diffusers out or the Hooray. amount of diffusers per players and that is the winners. But in the evolution version of this game, which is why this game is called Time of Evolution, it is slightly different. It is slightly more advanced. However, this is a version that I would just flat out play straight away with everybody. Agreed. Yes. 100%. Because in this version, the six different kinds of bombs all have different special abilities. Mm. And everybody loves special abilities. Yes. And I won't go through all of them, but they are things like there's one bomb that flat out can't be diffused. There's another bomb that would explode after three instead of four. There's another one where, sadly, if that comes out, these cards get shuffled and the next person has to randomly cut one from a specific player that the cards point out, even though they might not have many things. And in this version as well, if a diffuser comes out, it actually does what it says to do. You can put that onto a stack of these different bombs and go, that one is now diffused, we don't have to worry about it. So it adds that extra layer to mm. it, and it is the way to go. So like I said, I've played this now with two different groups, and both groups have had good fun with it, and you can explain it in about 30 seconds, and away you go. 100% agree. The game's base version or expansion with mm. the Time Bomb Evolution are both bloody simple. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's learning this game, read the rules, set it up once as a dummy round and you are 100% ready to go. Mm -hmm. But uh, I agree, Leon, you only want to play this game where each of the different coloured bombs do a different thing because it really creates excitement. Yeah, yeah. it adds just a little bit of extra flavour because of the different abilities. But even though this game is quick, it's really good for that you know, who can I trust, who can't I trust? And since it's kind of, it's not that big a deal if you get that wrong because it's a short game, which is always really fun. Uh, but it also is one of those games where the bad guys can theoretically sit back and just let the good guys kind of stuff themselves. But again, that's always a bit of a laugh as well because they do outnumber them, you know, two to, two to one, so why not? Yeah. So it is worth a look at Time Bomb Evolution. Look, I think so. Thank you very much, Leon. Time Bomb Evolution is what we're talking about, Biello. Are we even going to throw to a song, Mark? Yeah, yeah, just a quickly. super quick one. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, look, thanks, everyone. Uh, it's Dice McCummins, Sedge Radio 99.3 FM. Thank you, LFG. We will be back after this song to talk about a little quick game. Hello, everybody. It's your friendly neighbourhood, Leon, here. Just a quick break in the action to remind everybody how you can interact with the Dice Men. Of course, we are on. All those social medias, so things like your Instagrams, your Facebook, your Twitters, we're on all of them at Dice Men Cometh. You can also email us at thedicemencometh at gmail.com. That's a great way to get in touch with us for things like asking any type of questions, but also sponsorship. We've been doing that for several years now with various different promotions and ads, and you can be involved in that too if you like. Also, if you wish to help the Dice Man Cometh, you can get onto iTunes and chuck us one of those cheeky five-star reviews. It helps people from around the world get to listen, and we've met some great international listeners because of that. So the more you can do that, the merrier. 
And if you would like, we also have our Patreon. You can go over there and chuck us a few bucks, completely up to you. Even if you threw us a dollar a month, you would not notice out of your bank account, but we certainly would. If everybody listening to my voice did that, we would be happy as Larry. And we use that money to good effect. We use it to get to various different conventions all around Australia. It ain't easy getting around this big old country that we have, but we manage and we do it because we want to meet you and play as many games as possible. Or you could jump over to redbubble.com, chuck in the Dice Men Cometh, and have any of our merch with our logo on it. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, there are mugs, there are heaps of cool stuff over there. I've got quite a bit of it, and it all looks grand. So, with all that being said, thank you very much for listening and supporting us over the years. We absolutely love doing this show, and hopefully we'll be doing it for a long time to come, and your support is one of the main drivers of that. So feel free to get in touch about anything to do with board gaming or anything whatsoever. But enough of my chit-chat, back to the action. That was Minds in Motion with Cold and Silence on Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men Cometh proudly brought to you by LFG. And why are they a great band? For many reasons. One, I actually like their music. But two, the lead singer is a friend of mine named Rowan who lives three doors down from my <laughs> mum. There we go. So Tasmanian. Yes. Oh, I also work with him nearly every day. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right. One last yellow game mm. that I have now, unlike the highly thematic Goblin game and the... Somewhat thematic Sherlock Holmes blowing things up game. I have a game here that doesn't even have a veneer of theme to it. It's just your simple puzzle game. It's called Break the Code. It is designed by Ryohei Kurahashi uh-huh. um, and, of course, produced by Yellow and produced by VR Distribution and VR Family Games. I think that you see that's pronounced Yellow. Yeah, that one. And in this, you are working to break the code before your opponent. So when I say code, I'm talking about a series of tiles that are numbers zero to nine. So you're talking about a game called Break the Code where the theme is you're breaking the code and the aim of the game is to break the code. That, that, yeah, no, you're giving it too much. In terms of theme, you're giving it too much kudos, Garth, because it really is, it's very much a... Breaking the code game. Mastermindy type game where everyone has a sequence of numbers in front of them drawn from a, a selection of you've got the numbers 0 to 9 each twice and black and white and some green numbers and you take five of those tiles and then depending on how many players you play with, you're if you're with two players, you're trying to guess the five numbers that your opposite number has. If you're with three or four players, there will be five numbers that aren't dealt out to people and you'll be trying to eliminate what numbers are out there to work out what are the numbers that no one has. How do you do that, I hear you ask, Garth? That is an excellent question, Mark. It's a question, Mark. Hey. Um, how you do that in this case, so there are those games, the, the one that comes to mind for me is Mystery of the Abbey, which is one of the earlier games I played by Days of Wonder, where you've got a whole bunch of monks and you basically take one of the monk cards, tuck it under the table, and then you spend the rest of the time asking everyone, basically, what monks have you got? What monks have you got? But with more tricky questions. Ah, the old what monks have you got? <laughs> to yes. work out. The hell edition. That's mm. right, to work out which is the monk under the table, because he done it. I imagine he did. <laughs> no, <laughs> Can you move on there. to break the code, yeah, yeah, please? So in this case, what you have is you have 21 question cards that have, wait for it, questions on them. They're not mucking around in this game. You will have six of those cards out on the table for you to choose each round. And what you do is you will choose a question. For example, where are your number five tiles? Now, of course because I haven't explained this properly, you're probably going to say they're behind my screen. But that's because I haven't told you that behind your secret screen you have, you've got a little grid of letters A, B, C, D, E, and you will line up your five number tiles behind the A, B, C, D, E, going from lowest to highest, um, and there's a colour sequence that you do with the black and the white and the green. But basically, you have to answer truthfully to the question. So if you had a five, you would say... Oh, it's in the sea. It's in, it's the, in the sea, sea hole. Correct. Um, if you didn't have a five, you would say, I don't have a five. And then you move on to the next person and they will choose one of the, and a new card will flip out and you'll choose one of the cards and you'll ask a question. It might be, 
What do your first three numbers add up to? What do your last three numbers add up to? What is the sum of your middle three numbers? What colour is your first number? Or how many black tiles do you have? How many white tiles do you have? A sequence of questions like that. And you go around one at a time, taking little notes on a little sheet of paper you have behind your screen to work out either, depending on the number of players, what numbers are in front of your offside or if you're a two-player game or what numbers no one has in front of them and look it's important to note with this game is that you don't really care what people have got because that's what not what you're trying to find out mm. you're trying to find out what these four or five numbers are that are left over except for the two-player game exactly yes except the whole game especially at three or four is yeah. oh what have you got what have you got mm. because it's this process of elimination but that's not what the game about is about. The game is about what is not there yep. behind every other player's screen. And I find that really intriguing. Certainly not at two, because I haven't played it with two. Mark, you're the only one who has. Yes, I but have. But at three or four, you are spending so much mental energy going, well, Leon answered that question like that, so he's clearly got a, a, a black two and a, a green five and a red seven, blah, 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 whatever, even though there's no red in the game. No. <laughs> uh, and, oh, Mark, because of his answer is, I know he's got two sequential numbers in his in his D and his E hole, but what's his A and his B? Well, I think it might be that. And, and it's really cool. Yeah. And everybody learns the exact same things at the same time. So this isn't one of those games where you go, oh, you won because you got this bit of information that I didn't get. Mm -hmm. The only information you have as opposed to everybody else is what you have in your sequence and the way that they're set out. Other than that, everyone's learning the same thing. So when we did play this and the game was solved, we were all kind of about to jump yeah. onto it, just like the one person got onto it before, slightly before everyone else. Yeah, and it's not like those other sort of hidden information games where if you can come up with sort of a tricky way to ask a question, you might gain an advantage because in this case, all the questions are on those cards. Um, look, I uh, so we played it with four. I played it with two. The two-player game went super quick. Yeah. Um, I didn't find it as good as I did with four because, as I said, you're really you're not worried about the ten tiles that it, um, aren't in the game. You're only trying to work out what your partner has. Whereas with four, it was a lot more fun. But it still played like twenty minutes or something like that. Twenty five minutes yeah, maximum. Yeah, look, I have played it at three and four, and I think arguably this game is a three-player game and the difference being that in four players, every player yeah. around the table answers the question, whereas in a three-player game. The person who's asking the question does not have to answer, so there is a little bit of sneaky hidden information. Yeah, so break the code, very, very good stuff. Yes, so Garth, 100% good. very quickly, you're the only man out of all of us that have played all three games. We actually recommend all three games, which Correct. is quite nice. Which is your favourite out of the three? For a gaming game, my game of choice is break the code. Ooh. For a kid's game, it is flying goblins. For a party game, I will play the Sherlock Holmes thing, but I'd rather something else. Okay, fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much, ILO. Thank you to VR Distribution. Thank you to all of you for listening. Don't forget about our BorderCon competition. And don't forget, next week, 300 episodes. We'll yes. be back then. Who knows what with? You'll have to listen in to find out. Massive. We should probably figure that out. Yeah, bye. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG Essen Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.